Hey guys, Lucas here. Before you get into your super fun episode of Elwood City Limits, I just want to thank everyone for nominating us for the Best of Halifax Award, but the battle's not over yet. We still want to get into the top three because it's a big deal for us. Uh, uh, The podcast gets a lot of notoriety from it. We get a fun plaque and we even get invited to a cool party. So if you want all of those fun things for us here at ECL, just go to bestofhalifax.com and you scroll down to news and media and in the best podcast section, vote for Elwood City Limits. Thank you. Well, at live at live long last. After all this time, it's time to just take a seat to uh, unwind from the stresses of the day and hey maybe you want to kick back with a little bit of the bubbly a little bit of bubbly i was uh, okay we're getting started with a little bit of the bubbly i didn't know where you were gonna go with that <laughs> um don't get too relaxed though will we gotta batten down the hatches it's uh, yeah hurricane dorian's a coming well and there's a i mean there's another hurricane in the lives of many of our youngest listeners as well today's that we're recording is the first day of school for goodness sakes oh my goodness there's so many uh, so, so many topics to cover. We have a, a month's Chris- worth of things happened. My birthday happened. We both got uh, full-time jobs. It's wow. What a month Chris, to Chris, miss. Chris Jericho's belt got stolen. Then he got it again. And now he's got a little bit of the bubbly. Um, yeah. The line to, in front of Costco was like really long today because like 28 people were trying to get propane because this hurricane is coming. And of course, uh, uh, school is back. Uh, it is once again back to school. Um, very was, fitting I was, because I feel like we've been past the summer vacation episodes of Arthur for a while. And we're back at school in the Arthur world as well. I, I was on the bus today and there was, I was standing room only and we got, uh, uh, you know, 40, university students with their backpacks and everything just starting off their new adventures and i'm sure many of our younger listeners are as well beginning a new grade perhaps or maybe their first foray into uh post-secondary education so uh, we wish you all the best and hopefully uh this can be uh, a nice light at the end of your uh at the end of a stressful first week or maybe not so stressful hopefully it's not that stressful uh, welcome, everybody. Once again, this is Elwood City Limits. It's uh, It's been a long time for us, too. We've had a lot of specialty episodes in the meantime for August, and uh, it's good to be back and uh, getting back in the swing of things with a brand new season to kick things off. My name is Will Young. I'm one of your hosts, in case this is your first episode listening. Uh, welcome. This is the Episodic Arthur podcast. We've been talking about it for three years, and we're finally at season eight. Wouldn't be here, of course, without uh, Mr. Mr. Jet Setter now, uh, Lucas Mancini, my co-host. Well, it's it's only car setting so far, but that right, <laughs> that's right. As part of my new job, I will have to be doing some traveling. Uh, but that it doesn't look like that'll affect the podcast that much. Uh, I mean, we're already sort of pen pals in a way, Will, uh, mm. because we we Skype in. We do not record the podcast in the same place. Uh, kind of like the content of the uh, Arthur episode we're going to talk about today. That's right. Yeah, we've got some fun stuff coming up that's probably going to be dropping uh, this month as we uh, move into a new season. Same with me. I kind of just got regular hours 
at my at my the job I already had. So we're hoping that this won't affect the schedule too much. But of course, uh, if you're a patron over at Patreon.com/slash Elwood City Limits, you don't miss a week. Uh, with our, a lot of our extra content. Uh, so yes, we had uh, we had a commentary track out in August. Me and DJ Bob talked about the final Arthur soundtrack. We also have all of the Arthur commentaries that we've done. There's been uh, uh, three of them now over at uh, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. In case you feel like you're missing something or if you're just getting into the podcast and you want access to absolutely everything. Of course, we do have a lot of listeners who have been waiting patiently for our return and thank you to everybody uh for all the emails for all the feedback and of course for voting for us in the best of halifax we got about 10 days left on that so uh if you haven't gone to bestofhalifax.com yet uh please do and vote us for best podcast and we're gonna find out if indeed we are the most family-friendly uh arthur podcast in halifax Big time. Thank you. Thank you to Dog Island, our boys. Uh, so before we get started, I would like to, I think before everything, I think there is a group of people that need a bit of a shout out. Uh, there's 32 of them and they make things happen big time. So I want to say thank you. And I know Lucas does as well to all of our patrons, including Aaron DeFilippo, Alex, Caitlin Harrington, Chander LaFave Boten, Christine Wong, Christopher Ifill and Sierra S. There's Crescent Fresh and Dan Mike Dawson Silva. There's Emily K, Froppy, and Ian Collis. Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John DeLong, and John Griswold are the Jays. Then we've got Kat, Kaylin Krogol, Kevin Noon, and Kristen in the K's. Leanne S. and Light Relentless. We've got Macy Ball and Michaela Gibson. Passion Fruit Pavlova, Riley Stevens, Ross Ward, Sam Solero, Shayna Bennett, Stella Teresa, and William. Thank you so much, everybody. You know, I really wish I was musically talented because I would do like uh, na- somebody like Nakey Jakey does and make it into a song. Ooh, that'd be really fun. But alas, I'm not very musically talented. Thank you, everybody. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, it's, it's true. I mean, I can I can sing a little bit, but that's about it. So we've heard on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while. All right. Before we bust into this uh, into this new season, it's time to crack open the emails over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. There's been a few that have been percol- that have been percolating. My goodness, the oldest one here has been waiting for over a month. That would be our good friend Lion Dog ZXA. So let's not waste any more time. Uh, Lion Dog pointed this out, and I found this interesting, Lucas. Uh, they noticed an error in the episode The World of Tomorrow. In the episode Francine Redecorates, Francine asks the characters what their thing is, and Binky answers with macaroni and cheese. But in The World of Tomorrow, he says he hates macaroni and cheese. Oh my goodness gracious. Is this the biggest continuity error we've run into thus far? They're usually pretty good with stuff like that. Oh, I feel like there's got to be bigger, but this is this is almost like catching a politician in a lie. It's just like... Two years ago, Binky how, Barnes said that he loved macaroni and cheese. How this many year, how many Pinocchios is the Wall Street Journal going to give Binky Barnes for this blunder, for this guff? Is that something they do? Like they write yeah, people? Yeah, they give people Pinocchios if you know when Joe Biden says something a little crazy, they'll 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 give them a set of Pinocchios. It's kind of silly. Seems like he's doing that a lot these days. <laughs> His eye is leaking blood. Yeah, I saw that. Oh my gosh, it's uh, what a race, and it's only and it hasn't even begun yet. 
Uh, Lucas, this is an answer to a question that you had um, from a previous episode. This is from uh, Matthew in response to your question about Mr. Morris's records. He said Zydeco records. He said, be careful with those Zydeco records. Zydeco is an African Cajun fusion folk music genre popular in Louisiana. One of the prominent instruments in Zydeco music is the accordion, which explains why Mr. Morris plays the accordion. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into some... And he's, I, I'm starting more and more. Something that I really like about this show is whenever music gets mentioned, um, the mix of like a parody musician. Actually, it's pretty much exemplified in the episode we're about to talk about today, where we have a very real life musician named, uh, and then immediately afterwards, a completely fabricated parody musician. I think the show always kind of makes it fun with us. Uh, sometimes these musical references are so old or antiquated that for especially people who would have been young watching the show at the time, it's kind of hard to tell the difference sometimes of what's real and what's not. And the, the way they blend reality with... Uh, uh, sort of their own created Arthur musicians is always fun. And in our previous episode where me and DJ Bob were talking about Arthur's really rocking music mix, we got like, uh, we got a real good sense that the people behind Arthur have very varied music tastes and are bringing a lot to the table. So I think that that's just a, uh, that's, that's just a, a thing within the Arthur creative team is a lot of different musical elements coming into play. Uh, I also want to uh, shout out here to uh, Curtis from Utah, who is a a big fan of the podcast since they were introduced to it a few months ago by his sister. I now listen to it very frequently, love the commentary, especially the game references. Me and my family are huge fans of Arthur. We named our dog Buster and often refer to him as Buster Baxter. Uh, Curtis is going through the podcast from the beginning. Was going to wait to email us, but the, but Curtis got to the episode about Buster coming back in season three and couldn't wait. The whole crux of that story about saying goodbye and then adjusting to coming home are meaningful to me. Shortly before I started listening to the podcast, I got home after serving a two-year mission for my church in Florida. The episode really reflects the feelings experienced by missionaries in our church and those felt by their families through the two years of a mission. Though the two years of a mission are a bit bigger, Arthur's fears of Buster being different when he gets back and Buster's adjustment when he gets home really parallel our missions. The episode is also just really awesome. Uh, love the podcast. Love learning all this extra stuff about Canada. I'll see if I can catch up the episodes. Y'all are on. That's from Curtis, and hopefully you'll hear this sooner rather than later. I love uh, the emails, and I mean, I love all our emails. Don't get me wrong, but I, <laughs> uh, but the ones about how certain episodes of Arthur have impacted people's lives. I always love hearing about that. Uh, next up on our emails, we have one from Amelia, who is also catching up on episodes of the podcast, but just sending it in to say Prunella Marina OTP for life. Oh, interesting. I don't know about that. I don't know if. Oh, I, I kind of like. I something I like about Pernell and Marina. It's similar to. Um, I mean, listen. I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum here. Uh, but I always like. Uh, you know, female friendship. Uh, especially when it's accurately uh, represented in, in media or when it feels earned in media. So, you know, shows like Broad City, and I think Prunella and Marina uh, kind of captures that as well. Um, so I kind of like the fact that they're just friends. But, hey, I'm not trying to squash anybody's th- fun here. If you want to have your fun, uh, by all means, 
And Lion Dog ZXA, double dipping here, but uh, just getting this one in under the wire. Um, since you two just did your commentary on Arthur's Missing Pal, which you can find in the podcast feed, I thought I'd give my impressions of the movie. I remember seeing advertisements for the film when I was younger, but I didn't watch it until a few years later when I found it randomly playing on PBS on a Saturday. The movie is definitely not that great, especially compared to the show it's inspired by, but for a change of pace, I thought I'd talk about the parts of the film I liked. For starters, the songs used throughout the course of the film are admittedly catchy. We did I, also not like- he- I just want to point out, we did not hear those songs. We no. only saw the YouTube auto-generated subtitles for those songs. I also like the fact that DW's subplot about entering the Mary Moo Cow contest wasn't just there to give her something to do and actually played into the story. The climax is pretty enjoyable with Arthur and company racing on their bikes to catch up to the truck and Muffy's 11th hour rescue. Well, I'm glad that somebody was able to find something good out of that, aside from us who found an hour of uh, comedy and yucks. Uh, friend of the show, uh, filmmaker Josh Owen, whose film Ghoulish Galactic Grievances is playing in the Vancouver Film Festival this year. Um, uh, he uh, happened to – he doesn't listen to the show too often, but he did watch the uh, 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 Pals Missing Film, uh, and he, as a filmmaker, did say he liked it. <laughs> oh. So so there you go. Well what, the, well, what the heck do we know then? Well, I mean, hey, I'm glad he – again, glad that people are able to uh, – find a bit more out of this i will also say uh friend of the show dj bob was telling me about how he went to the theatrical premiere of uh this movie when he was quite a bit younger so imagine going to see that in the movie theatra that's that's something else i mean well we talk about it in the commentary but to me it strikes me as like watching those world of warcraft three cutscenes in the theater (laughs) oh my gosh that's right they did that those did go into the theater we we talk about it on the commentary, Will. Oh, I don't I don't actually listen to our own. Show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I, oh, I, that's right. That, right I think right, the right. reason I think the reason you know that is because I told you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yes, I didn't know about that before you told me. Now. Um, we also uh, also here got to ask the thoughts on the recent Nintendo Direct. Personally, not much in- interested in me, but I can't wait to play Puyo Puyo via Super Nintendo Online when I get a Switch. Thank you, uh, Lion Dog ZXA. So yeah, the Nintendo Direct came out uh, on Wednesday, which is yesterday for us. Uh, any big thoughts? Th- thoughts there, Lucas? Uh, so uh, three big thoughts. Um, or actually more. I'm not gonna actually going to limit myself because I have quite a bit to say. But uh, excited about Animal Crossing, of course. Excited about Pokemon. Um, very cool that uh, Terry Bogard is in Smash. I am in SNK. I don't know if this has come up on the show before, but I love SNK games. I love the aesthetic and the way they introduced him with all the old Neo Geo art. I thought that was so, so cool. I love the Neo Geo. I love Terry Bogard. I thought all that stuff was sick. Um, Sans, uh, uh, in uh, Smash, uh, 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 Sans. I've been waiting for an excuse to do the Sans impression on the show. Uh, well, San- uh, well, and did you and did you see the did you see the the thing about how that's like a slowed down part of uh, Patrick's speech from SpongeBob? I did see that, and you know, me and my friends were doing. We're always doing any excuse to do the Sans voice, right? <laughs> so uh, when I heard about that, I was I was pretty. But would you like to know what the the sleeper? Biggest news about the uh, Nintendo Direct as well? Can I guess? I think it, it, from your tone, I bet you know what I'm going to say, but uh, go ahead and guess. Deadly Premonition 2? Dead. So, Will, <laughs> I, don't know if you, I don't know if you know this about me. You probably don't, actually, because I don't think you've ever seen my my, my room, but uh, 
I have Deadly Premonition fan art hung up in my room framed. Wow. Uh, I love Deadly Premonition 1. That game sucks. Uh, that game is a bad video game to play, and it's got one of my favorite video game stories ever. That game is is it's so underrated. It's a it's a cult classic of last generation. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that there was going to be a Deadly Premonition two. And not only that, but Swery is coming back to direct it. It's so exciting, and it looks good, and it's a Switch exclusive. I'm ha- I'm happy to be able to play the first one. Uh, finally, my. It's a, it's a uh, bad I, game, Will. Don't hey, it's a bad video game. Keep that a in friend, mind. A, a friend, a friend of mine whose opinion I trust, it says it's in his top ten of all time games. So I gotta know. I gotta know. Uh, before you play it, Will, when you're gonna go play it, make sure you uh you get the cell phone, which lets you teleport around the map uh immediately. Do that side quest, and also do the side quest to get you get the infinite ammo weapons. That'll make the rest of the game significantly easier. But besides that, uh. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bad video game, but I like it. All right. Uh, I am very excited for a couple things. Uh, Return of the Oberdin coming to Switch. I can't wait to play that with my wife. We're both very excited. We don't have to play that off a computer. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast is one of my favorite games. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's so weird. It's... I bought that on PC and didn't beat the final boss, and I still love that game. I can't wait to play it again. I will absolutely buy it again. Uh, my wife also speaking of her, very, very excited for Animal Crossing. Can't you can't get her to stop playing Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, and uh, she's very excited for this installment. And there was one other thing. It was uh, it was a Deadly Premonition. I'm excited to play the first one, and then. If I feel like I want to play the second one, I am free to do that as well. Uh, no feelings on Smash, but I think it's kind of... There was a lot of people very excited about uh, Sans being in Smash, and I'm glad that uh, you're happy with the SNK pick. I know that it's a little... Uh, from what very, very, very little I know about SNK, uh, Terry Bogart seems like... It, it was always going to be Terry Bogart if it was going to be oh, anybody. Yeah. He's the, you, have you seen that hat? It's a really cool hat, Will. I seen it. I did. All right, so that's all of our emails, but there is one lingering Tumblr ask that we've gotten here, and this is wildly out of season. I meant to do this like a month ago, but of course I forgot. Um, and it's asking us, and it's an anonymous ask, that uh, asking us to pair up Stranger Things and Arthur characters. Oh, geez. I uh, haven't watched Stranger Things since the, the first part of season two. Um... The only thing I know about season three is that Maya Hawk is in it, and I'm a big fan of Maya Hawk. Uh, I like her a lot, but yeah, besides that, I don't know. I, I, you might be the person I defer to on this one, Will. Um, I supposed that. Um, geez, I don't know. I, I feel like we've compared some Arthur characters to Stranger Things, specifically Winona Ryder. I have no great feelings on um, on Stranger Things. Uh, but I have watched all the seasons. It's really something. It's something that's really easy to put on when Ooh, they come yeah. out. It's just like it's, it's definitely TV, uh, TV candy, TV snack food, for sure. Um, this season was actually pretty good. Like I liked it better than the last one, and you know, like they're all fine. Uh, so in terms of pairing up the characters, well, so you've got your four boys uh whose names i don't remember i remember dustin Finn... is one of them dustin yeah dustin's one of them 
Finn, I re- see, I remember their actors' names almost as much. I remember Finn Wolfhard because uh, that's just a name that you remember. Is that the one giving the finger? Uh I don't I don't know. In that one uh, in that one meme? Oh jeez. I, I know, know Stranger Things more for the memes than for the actual show. Fair. Again, I guess. H- hence Maya Hawk. Oh yes. Uh so probably I would say so Dustin is Binky. I would I would definitely they just kind of look physically similar. Um duh, 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 I would say the brain is Lucas. Um Mike would be probably be Arthur and um what the hell's his name John no uh Will uh I guess would be Buster I suppose maybe you might be able to switch those around a little bit I don't know so much about the other ones I guess 11 would probably be somebody like I mean I'm biased so I would probably say Fern but it would probably end up being somebody like I don't know, DW or something. The only other casting I can think of is that I would definitely want uh, David Harbour's character to be Oliver Frensky. Ooh, I like that. That's yeah. actually, I think that might be the best comparison that of, of all the ones you made. Somebody get me an Oliver Frensky, David Harbour uh, fan art, please. Please do this for me. I would love it. Uh, so that's about as far as far as I would get. Thank you, everybody, for the ask. I think it's high time to get into season eight, Lucas. Uh, so this season of Arthur is uh, it all aired in two thousand three. I was thirteen. Oh my this, goodness! Twel- so, twelve between twelve and thirteen when this came out. So I would have been in grade three uh, because I was I'm I have be, I'm lucky to have always been in the grade of whatever year it was. So it makes it easy to remember. Uh, so, for instance, 2007, I was in grade 7. Anyway, so 2003, I would have been in grade 3, which would make me, what, 10? 11? I don't know. You're in grade, grade 3, three uh, no, it would be more like 8. Oh, okay. So I was about Arthur's age. I would. Um, so, so I, I would. I was. I would in, have been twelve between twelve and thirteen. So I would. I. I was in still prime uh, Arthur watching age. In fact, I remembered both of these episodes very well. Um, I'm. I'm starting to think that. Uh, besides the like legendary episodes from the first three seasons, like this era might be the era I'm most familiar with because I remembered a lot of season seven as well. Mm. <laughs> we have. A, we have a couple. We. Uh. uh these okay, so I might as well put it out front there. This I checked it out. This is the final episode of season of Arthur that I watched the whole way through. After this season, I'm flying completely blind. I thought you were I rem- gonna say it's the final season with uh without motion tweens and flash animation, and I was about to have a conniption. No, we're not quite there. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we are there. I don't know what happens after season eight. Like I said, it's all new territory for me. We got a couple of uh, voice acting shuffles, so keep these in mind if you can over the next 10 weeks or so. Uh, we have Evan Smirnow, who is replacing Mitchell Rothpan as the voice of George. So if George sounds different, that's why. And Alex Alexia Cohen is replacing Patricia Rodriguez as the voice of Catherine, which I think is kind of too bad because I think you and I could both agree that we both really liked Catherine's voice so far in the show. She's yeah. very te- teenagery. Yeah, I think we 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 highlighted that before. Like uh, that that was one of the highlight. I think I like all the older kids' voices. Whether it's it's uh, I can never remember her name. Is it Molly? Is the name of the tough customer? Yeah, Molly. Uh, yeah. Like whether it's Molly's voice or uh, he pops up again. 
Um, but Diego's voice, like all those voice, the older kid voices were always some of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, Alberto. Alberto. I don't know why I thought his name was Diego. You're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of Diego and, uh, uh, Dora friend. Oh my goodness. That's right. Go Diego. Go. So, uh, those are the only changes so far. We've got some bigger changes coming, uh, after this season, which I won't get into now. We'll have to, once season nine rolls around, we're going to have a few earth shattering changes, but for now, mostly everything is the way it was, but we certainly don't start in a, uh, a normal place in terms of Arthur. We start in Turkey for dear Adil. Uh, this is awesome. Like as cold open, the just the kind of the sh- I don't know if we've ever started an episode with two characters we've never seen before doing the cold open. Uh, so what a great way to introduce a brand new character. It's a it, it's it's bold and it captures your attention. Like I felt like the cold open was going on for a bit longer than normal, and it, I think it was just because I was a little bit. Um, off my axis of just like where is this like what's going on what time is it what's happening <laughs> uh so yeah we're introduced to adil and his father who owns a store uh and they and, and his s- friend not his brother right his good friend his good friend who is also voiced by arthur's voice actor if could you could you could you tell no i don't think i could tell and i i, I suppose i'm not uh, sorry i hit my mic there i was so surprised i hit my mic i don't know if i could tell and and I don't, it shows it goes to show how bad I am at picking out like how well an accent is being done because mm. I guess I naively just assumed they weren't putting on a Turkish accent. So good for them, I guess. I think the I think Adil's voice actor is also somebody else in the cast, but I forgot to look it up. Um, it sounds a little familiar. Adil also looks like the brain a little, just a little bit. Yes, he does. They're both bears, and they're both similar skin tones. And the, and, the, and uh, he and his father speak Turkish for a little bit, which was interesting. I've never, I don't have much experience with with that language. And uh, <laughs> uh, the, he and his he and his friend talk. Uh, Adil speaks to the audience in English. He's doing he's doing the Ferris Bueller thing or whatever the uh, Turkish equivalent to Ferris Bueller would be. Um, his friend comes in, who I for, don't know, think we get his name. I didn't write it down, but he's asking him if uh, Arthur has asked the head. Uh, the the answer to the answers to the quiz they're supposed to do, and I love that as like a nickname for uh the brain. Like there's something about the head that sounds so much more ominous. It's like I don't know. It's like a it's like a villain in like Vertigo comics or something. Like watch out for the head. Yeah, or, or like or like an enemy in control. Like oh, careful, you're gonna go gonna go visit the head. <laughs> It also sounds like I mean cuz you know sometimes you call the toilet the head so it's just like ah we got to go hit the head <laughs> that's what i think of so yeah it's this kind of uh very matter of fact cold open where adil is introduces his father his shop he lives in uh turkey and he has some sort of uh pen pal relationship with arthur and we we the rest of the episode is kind of getting into that a bit more uh, it all kind of starts out in the episode. Arthur wants to get a pen pal because he finds his dad's letters uh, when Dad Reed was Arthur's age to his pen pal Tatsuya in Japan, and which he which Arthur finds under Dad's cooking table for some reason. Yeah, it seems like that would not be the best place to store those. Um, Arthur gets all excited about the idea of a pen pal, and he's asking Mister Rapburn about it. 
Um, and uh, uh, Mr. Rappern, like the running joke still continues that Mr. Rappern doesn't know how to use a computer properly. Yeah, he's he's very he's not very technology literate. In fact, he's so technologically backwards, he's clapping erasers. He's clapping erasers. He's talking about how he found like a web zone for teachers where he found like a a list of pen possible pen pals. I feel like this needs to be looked at by a third party. It just seems a little sketchy. Post a comment on this web zone if you want a pen pal. Exactly. Email um, me if you want a Turkish pizza roll. Oh my god, I would love a Turkish pizza roll right now. Um, another thing before we move on is that uh, DW has a great line about when they find the letters under the desk. Uh, DW says, "Where are they from?" Arthur's real parents, which is a great <laughs> is a is a really good sick burn. That's a good one. Did you ever have Did you ever have a pen pal? I had two, so I kind of uh, in elementary school I had a pen pal, but I think they were just from somewhere else in Nova Scotia. And eventually we all met our pen pals. They like all came to our school, and oh, yeah. I, I don't think me and my pen pal got along very much. I think he was into like uh, tech deck dudes, and I was like sending him screenshots of like Metroid Prime, and I just don't think there was a good connection. Uh, and then okay. in junior high, I had a French pen pal. And I machine translated all of my uh, uh, discourse with him, uh, but apparently I had one of the better ones in the class because he thought I could speak French really well, but I really couldn't. But we both liked video games. He was into video games as well. And I actually went to stay with him in Quebec as a part of a school trip. Um, mm-hmm. And I still think I have him on Facebook to this day. I don't think he posts very frequently, and I have not spoken to him in literally like since, geez, since like 2008, so almost 11 years. Uh, but I think his name was Oliver something. Okay. Um, and he was a pretty cool guy. His family was nice. Le, Le Jouet de Vidéo or something like yes, that? Yes, I, I literally did s- send him a message containing the words Jouet de Vidéo. <laughs> uh, yeah. I sent him like screenshots of... Uh, it, I went from screenshots of Metroid Prime to screenshots of Uncharted 2. Wow, really uh, crossing over generations between your pen pals. Uh, we also had kind of uh, school enforced pen pals at one time. I don't have a great memory of them. I feel like we also did the like somebody else in Nova Scotia somewhere. But uh, I remember having a pen pal at one point, and I don't think we were friends outside of that program. So, but it's kind of a neat idea. It's a little bit by the wayside now, but they do bring it into the modern age a little bit uh, as we go on. So uh, Arthur gets help facilitating a pen pal in fact is it a class assignment that everybody does no see, this, is, this is what i think it's sketchy about it is that arthur enlists this help from mr rapper and he just kind of pulls off this list that he found on the on this website for teachers <laughs> so it, it it's that's what makes it a little bit sus is just just got like a list of eight nine and ten year olds from around the world and their contact information right um, uh, in fact i actually have it paused on here now we have students from bulgaria uh, uh, Antigua, uh, Seoul, Korea, uh, the distant, far-off land of San Jose. Uh, mm. What else? Do we see anybody else? No, and then a deal, of course, from Turkey. Uh, have you? Did you notice in this episode and going forward, Arthur's voice actor just sounds a little bit different than last season? Um, I think no. I and I and I, I don't think it's anything untoward. I think it's just like him growing up. Uh, no, I'm pretty. It's been so long, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. So Arthur is excited about having a pen pal in Turkey, and he's talking to Buster about it. And Buster is kind of 
viewing this all through the lens of a comic book series called Illinois Jack, who has apparently gone on an adventure to Turkey before. I also don't think I ever realized that Indiana Jones, like his first name is a state. Like, I don't think I ever put two and two together that his name was just like Indiana. And so they were like, oh, Illinois. Like you could literally take any like Ohio Sam. Or... Yeah, I feel I, I feel like I've come across that joke enough times where, but you're right. Like you don't think about it all that much. You just say Indiana Jones, and it's just like a normal name. And then you put it in a different context, like Illinois Jack, and it's like, oh, now it sounds silly. So they do these uh, a couple of these kind of flash, not flashbacks, but like dream imagination sequences to Illinois Jack comic books. They have a little bit of a different style to them. the The ink lines are a bit broader. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's got they, that early two thousands, like fairly odd parents, Dexter's mm-hmm. lab, like that sort of, I feel like cartoons, they sort of go through, through waves of every kind of cartoon having a similar look. So the early two thousands was those like big, thick, flat shaded outlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then That's everything, ev- everything kind of became anime inspired with like teen Titans yeah. and Martin mystery and, and Avatar. Totally and, 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 uh, 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 basically, if you look at what they're doing with Thundercats, you could see like what's the taste of the day. Like Thundercats yeah. used to look like an Americanized anime, and now it kind of looks like now everything's kind of got that Adventure Time, this, that post Adventure Time look of the the noodle arms and the mm-hmm. uh, that kind of that kind of style. The Steven, that's a really U- good... Steven Universe, if you will. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and it's just kind of. Art Buster detailing a couple of scrapes in Turkey that Illy, Illy instead of Indy, and his Turkish friend got into. And it's, you know, uh, not necessarily the most accurate depiction of Turkey there ever was, but we'll find out a bit more about that later. Like, there's even a, like, there's a, there's a few references here to Indiana Jones movies, including, like, Illy being offered, like, uh, what was it, like, goat eyeballs or something? Much like lamb, the, lamb's eyes, lamb's eyes, much like the chilled monkey brains part of uh, Temple of Doom. It's funny that like Temple of Doom came out in what eighty eight, and it's funny that we're, we're to this day we're still like yeah you know that movie was pretty culturally not not the best in terms of portraying whatever culture it is because they're mm-hmm. using it in this two thousands children cartoon as an example of oh don't trust everything you see in media when it's describing a foreign culture. Yeah, I think it was pretty sus from day one. Um, so Arthur decides to send a letter to Adil. Uh, Adil lives in Istanbul, by the way. I'm just at the part with their address. And Arthur kind of sends him a pretty typical um, letter. You know, he says that he went to the mall and he ate pepperoni pizza, which, like, all this stuff is new to Adil. He doesn't really know what a mall is. And I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't know what pepperoni is. It's true. No, actually, now that you mention it, I'm going to pull up on a map where Istanbul is in comparison to Italy. Because I wonder, I, mean, I, I wonder if this is the Arthur's, uh, the Arthur writers somehow uh, 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 sort of throwing bricks in a glass house. Uh, okay, so there is an Italy in Istanbul. Okay, <laughs> Little Italy Pizza. <laughs> oh my god italian okay so oh for goodness listen, sake maybe there wasn't one in the early 2000s but i think this might be a case of arthur needs to practice what it preaches he would probably <laughs> know what pepperoni was 
<laughs> or, oh, you know what, though? Maybe I shouldn't speak so soon. Maybe pepperoni isn't halal or, or kosher. Oh, or that, kosher. So maybe maybe Adil himself has just never encountered it because he and his father keep halal. And, 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 and maybe that the pizzas they prepare there are sans pepperoni. Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay. So, so now I, I have to... I am the, the goof in this situation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't know, though. <laughs> there's Surely no. there's no way to find out, so... Well, uh, more time than we have right now. Um, there's a... Okay, but there is a... Okay, I guess... <laughs> when you type in Instable Italy, some crazy stuff comes up. Galileo Galilei Italian High School oh, really? is, is a place in... In Istanbul? In, in Istanbul, yeah. Wow. Istanbul, not Constantinople. Uh, so Arthur gets a letter back from Adil, and DW kind of plants the idea to Arthur that his letter was so boring that she fell asleep. And of course, Arthur gets the anxiety of I don't want I don't want Adil to think I'm boring. And classic anxiety brain here, Arthur says, He said he liked my letter, but maybe he was just being polite. Like it's like the every reception I've gotten from him has been positive, but I have reason, but I have n- no reason to believe that that's true. I love, <laughs> you know, so, so we get this imagination sequence of, uh, Arthur's letter being so boring. It causes like mass, uh, literally everyone in, in Turkey going to sleep. Yeah. Uh, as the letter crosses the land and like sheep are falling asleep. Uh, it reminded me of there's an old body Python's flying circus sketch. Yeah, the, yeah the, the funniest joke in the world. Okay, so you thought of that as well? Cause, I did. I, I think at some point, uh, uh, Adil's dad like mentions that there's a joke in the letter and he falls asleep before he finishes the joke. But it reminded me of the funniest joke in the world sketch where they use this joke that's so funny. It's a weapon of mass destruction to be used against the Nazis because yeah, they all they die to, laughing. They, <laughs> that one guy falling out of the tree. <laughs> that's, that's a great sketch. I really think that's an underrated Monty Python sketch. Um, so, and and I think it's interesting here. So in Arthur's imagination of Turkey, he's imagining it like Illinois Jack. So, you know, Adil is wearing a turban and he has like a pet monkey and all these kind of cultural his, stereotypes. His dad's got a fez. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important that and I think they did. I think the writers did the right thing by portraying what Turkey is really like in the cold open before showing Arthur's interpretation of it. Because if they started here, you know, then we could have our uh, kind of misconceptions on Turkey Challenge. But like right away, we know that like okay, this isn't what Turkey's really like. Yeah, we the audience knows that Arthur's wrong all along. Exactly, but and 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 of course he's not wrong in a malicious way, but he's just kind of has his own pre preconceptions as an unenlightened uh north american kid uh so he's he's really down in the dumps about potentially having a boring letter and buster takes offense at this they're at the sugar bowl and he's like i don't want uh a dill to think you know uh maybe he thinks going to the mall and eating pepperoni pizza is boring and buster immediately goes pepperoni's not boring Buster really takes, yeah, uh, he's he's really uh, stands pepperoni, and I agree. So do I. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's like I I really appreciate. I mean, as we get into it here, um, Buster kind of lends him more Illinois Jack to kind of give them give him more things to talk about with a dill. But he's asking him stuff like, "Where do you put your camel?" and like all this kind of stuff. So he's going off of these, um, 
these cultural stereotypes. And I really love that this is generally a comment on cultural misunderstandings. And specifically, as we mentioned before, on the kind of racial generalizations that something like an Indiana Jones can make and how that can shape kids' understandings of the world. Like, I'm sure you and I both have examples of how we thought that a different place in the world was this because we saw it in a movie or a TV show or something like that and how that informed our worldview and maybe later that was challenged and we realized we were wrong. Oh, yeah. And and you know what? There's probably so many of those that I can't even... Uh, I, I I have to really think about it, uh, but you're right. Like I, I and I think that's one of the things that this do- episode does really effectively is how kind of well it illustrates. Again, I think this is another ep- this is another example of not only Arthur kind of tackling a nuanced topic that not every kids show would tackle, but it does it in a way that feels very modern for the time. You know. Uh, two kids chatting with each other cross-country in 2003 wasn't as common as this show kind of makes it seem. So it was really mm-hmm. ahead of the time in that way, too. Um, but, yeah, let me think of an example of, of uh, like a piece of media making well, me think the world was one way. And Well, I just think that, especially when we were kids, you know, it's the easiest joke in the world to make. You know, I think that uh, a lot of it, like, I think about something like how in something like Resident Evil 5... You ever play Resident Evil 5? Uh, yeah, I, I've played Resident Evil 5. Well, where there's like those parts of the game where like they go into the parts of Africa where there's like literally people like throwing spears at them. And like, and that's not just to call it Resident Evil 5. It's like there have been tons of portrayals of places like Africa where it's like. For sure, for sure. Like, even, okay, a great example is Do They Know It's Christmas Time, the big fundraiser song. Yeah. Um, multiple things they say in that song that are just wrong. Like, for instance, of course they know that it's Christmas time. Africa is a product, like, Catholicism's huge. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Christianity's huge in Africa. Uh, because of colonialization. Um, so yes, they very much do know it's Christmas time. And also they say there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas, which just isn't true. There's definitely places in Africa that get snow in December. So right. uh, there's one example, you know, they sort of paint this picture of, of w- what the place is like that doesn't really match up with reality. So like you said, it's them kind of tackling a bit more of a, a nuanced issue without uh, ne- necessarily having to d- dig into murky waters, but in the context of a, ch- a child's misunderstanding and therefore d- a deepening knowledge of the world late as the episode goes on here because Adil and his friend are completely like a gas of just like, do you really eat lamb's eyes? And they're like, why would he think that? Like, I don't understand why Arthur would even ask something like that. And we actually we get a scene here where uh, Arthur's outside waiting for Adil to mail him back, but it's Adil's kind of been like scared off of him a little bit. Like he, like he wonders why Arthur thinks this about him. And we have uh, Alberto coming into frame here, just kind of pimping in here in his cool kendo outfit. Yeah, I love it when Alberto shows up like this, and it's 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 great that they keep the kendo thing as a, an integral part of his character. Mm. So he's, he notices that Arthur has an Illinois Jack comic and he laughs because he uh, he says to Arthur that uh, those things are so funny. And Arthur's like, oh, I thought they were like supposed to be a bit more serious. He's <laughs> Arthur's like, no. like, I thought this was a documentary. <laughs> yeah. Like the, and he's like, no, no, no. They get things wrong about, uh, you know, other cultures all the time. And he mentions like 
the things that got wrong when Illy went to Ecuador. And of course, uh, he is Ecuadorian, so he would know that all this stuff is wrong. But he also mentions that when he and his family lived in Ecuador when he was younger, Alberto, um, he would watch um, American TV and he would, like, there's this specific show that he watched where it's like kids are surfing their way to school and putting ketchup on everything, which I thought was funny. So he thought that's what American life was like until they, they don't just surf immigrated. to their school; they surf to their high rise apartment complexes. Yes, yeah, and there's that's like, right. The road is literally water, uh, <laughs> and then they put ketchup on everything. And the guy is literally dressed like a human version of that dog from The Simpsons uh, that goes back to his home planet. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, a Poochie. Yes, yes. He's like dressed up as like a humanized version of Poochie, like literally. And it's and so it's an interesting way to view that as like, well, people have had misconceptions and like people have misconceptions about Canada, I find as well. Like and it's and it's not it's not often like negative stereotypes, but it's like, oh, it's Canada is the place where everybody gets along and we don't have the same problems like we do in America. And are just like, boy, you do not know the half of it. You know, you know what I mean? Oh, I, 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 I. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, all yeah. too well do I know what you yeah. mean. So I mean, Arthur, re- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Arthur realizes that maybe he had the wrong idea about a dill, and uh, he manages to um, connect with him literally over the internet. They begin sending. I, I think the. I think it's supposed to be they're sending emails back and forth. Yeah, but it's but more really like it looks more, more like, like a chat a, room. Yeah, it's more like they're using it MSN like, or something. Looks like it looks like ICQ a little bit. Ooh, Arthur's you know he's getting on the BBSs. He's he's uh, he's getting on Usenet, po- <laughs> posting Final Fantasy VI spoilers, <laughs> uh, and ask and asking when the Cell Saga is going to be dubbed. Ooh. Uh, so yeah, he and Adil finally start speaking back and forth. I really liked this sequence. It was actually a little heartwarming. It's like the true utopia of uh, people, especially kids, connecting over the internet. I think this is what we all wanted it to be, instead of the hellhole that it is today. <laughs> but it's but- true. Like I, I do think that that something that this episode tackles well is that you know this moment does kind of capture a snapshot of a lot of people I do know have this this quote-unquote internet friend that they talk about mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, in much like the same way I feel like our parents much like the same way you know Arthur's dad would talk about a pen pal but I know countless people who's be like oh yeah when I was 13 I had a boyfriend on Gaia online uh, <laughs> and stuff like that that's like fairly common for people um, certainly people my age I've heard it quite a bit so or yeah I met this person on Neopets uh, yeah so I, I, I was again this it seems ahead of its time, but I guess I suppose this was the prime time of people doing this uh, uh, to be tackling something like friends online, which is something that I think is still even stigmatized today. A little bit, I would say. I mean, yeah, it's true. I've met friends on, through Twitter, through Tumblr, uh, through wrestling role play forums back when I was a teenager. Um, and this is kind of the idealized version of that. It's literally a cultural exchange between Arthur and Adil because Adil is, you know, they finally get over their misunderstanding. Adil's saying that I didn't, I don't actually know what a mall is. And I like, I just really wanted you to explain what was going on. And uh, they, it's re- it's really cool. Like we actually learned a couple of Turkish facts, like what a Turkish mall is, a covered bazaar, 
And uh, they even bond over the fact that they both have annoying little sisters. So I thought this this really warmed my heart as a bitter, crusty, almost 30-year-old. Adil also uh, ends up sending uh, DW the, the requested... Uh, Turkish Mary Moo Cow. Turkish Mary Moo Cow, which it's, it's funny. I would think that Arthur would actually be happy that it's a change of pace. At least it sounds a little bit different, but he's still pretty upset about DW singing the CD, but just in Turkish. I think Turkish Mary Moo Cow sounds like a bop a little bit. It's true. I I, I tend to agree. I mean, regular Mary Moo Cow is pretty good, but it's a little bit played out. But that's what I said. It was a welcome change to hear it in Turkish. Now I want to hear Mary Moo Cow from across the globe. Totally, what's, or maybe, what's or maybe some K-pop Mary Moo Cow. You know what I mean? Well, I, I bet you if there's K-pop Mary Moo Cow, there's a lot of people who like it and a lot of people who don't. <laughs> that's what I understand about K-pop today. And that's basically the end of the episode. Like we end on the Turkish Mary Moo Cow thing. Uh, and for this one, we did not have a word from us kids, so we're gonna take a quick break here, and uh, we'll be right back. Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you and give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com and you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as possible. All right, let's get back to the episode now, already in progress. And we're back. So this one was a, uh, immediately, you know what's going down from the title. It's Bitsy's Breakup. Trouble in Paradise. Yeah, and it's, we haven't really seen Harry since his introductory episode, have we? Uh, we saw him in the Frensky Star episode, but that wasn't to do with Buster. It was uh, Francine. Oh, right, right. Just like working at the news organization. Yeah, we're working work the beat. But yeah, he hasn't really been a part of uh, Buster's story all that much. Uh, and of course, from the title, you know where it's going. So I guess we won't be seeing him that much uh, anymore. Uh, but the the cold open is Bitsy and Harry trying to tell Buster something. And once you see the title, you know what that is. But Buster is very... This is, this is almost Buster at one of his most kiddish. He's like bouncing off the walls here. He's like wants to go to the sugar bowl and then he wants to go to the movies. He's yeah, like, they sit down at the sugar they, they sit down at the sugar bowl, they don't even order food yet, and then he's like, Oh, if we run, we can catch this movie in fifteen minutes, and he sprints out of the store. That would never fly with my parents. That would not No like, way. I, I would never be able to like, okay, we've sat down to eat, and I'm like, actually we have to go see this movie right now. Uh so I actually remembered this scene really well. This is one of the Arthur member for some reason this specific scene really stuck in my head, and it's specifically the line from Harry uh, 
where he talks about uh, Buster's really impressed that at the diner they're eating at, Harry has a sandwich named after him. And it's the Sugar Bowl. It's at it's at the Sugar Bowl, and he's got a, a sandwich named after him, um, and he's really impressed with this. And Harry explains, you know, I guess that's what you get for being single so long and not knowing how to cook, implying that he's <laughs> always eating at the Sugar Bowl. And for some reason, that line really stuck with me. Pausing it now, though— um, Harry is not the only Elwood City resident that has a sandwich uh, named after. You're right. Okay. 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 So I've got I've got them all. I like I paused it and I wrote them all down. So first of all, the Harry Mills Meatball Experience. Great name for a sandwich. It's there's something ominous about it just not being a meatball sandwich, but being a meatball experience. So it's it's got three meatballs, four strips of bacon, marinara, and melted provolone. That's a hell of a sandwich. That does sound really good. So the other sandwiches include the Full of Meat Pete, the Crosswire Club. So this is the first full. I, I do not know what Pete the Full of Meat is named after. It, no. Uh, but Crosswire Club, I assume, is after Mr. Crosswire. Uh, I, I, I'm i going to guess the Full of Meat Pete is probably named after Peter K. Hirsch, the writer on, on Arthur. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if that's an, uh, an inside joke. Good catch there, Will. Uh, the Haney Hero. Okay, so looking at this picture of the Haney Hero. Yes. It looks to be a hero sandwich with french fries stuck in it. Oh, man. My hero. Um, And they really did bury the lead. Like, I wonder if, you know, Buster was so impressed with Harry having his own sandwich. I wonder if he would feel the same way about Mr. Haney having his own sandwich. That's a good question. Uh, we also have the Cheesy Frankie. And the veggie Maggie. So yeah, these all look really good at a glance. It'd be hard for me to pick. That's pretty much the cold open is that they don't get a chance to tell Buster because he's kind of everywhere. Um, well, and I also think the implication is that he's actively avoiding because he knows it. it so um, we... After I, the, I, I don't know. I didn't get that impression. Well, see, after the cold open, Buster's trying to get home from school early. Uh, you know, his mom points out it's only 7.30 and he's trying to get it out the door before even eating breakfast or anything. It's really early in the day. And I think the implication mm. there is that he's trying to avoid having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her. Because also, before the cold open ends, we actually see this shot of Buster kind of sighing and looking kind of sad after he's been running around so much. So, uh, oh, okay. uh, when, when um, yeah, 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 this shot here where he, sorry, I'm watching the episode now, and he, he like kind of lets his balloon go and looks sad and downtrodden. And it's when he talks to Bitsy um, and and, and Bitsy's, he's like, let me get, this is actually very complicated, is that he's like, let me guess, uh, Harry's got some sort of job where he has to uh, move out of Elwood City. So he knows something's coming, and he's got this this sinking mm. feeling, but he's not anxious about the idea of them splitting up. You know, he's sort of reliving what he went through with his dad, and, and, and that, you know, Bitsy and our, uh, Buster's dad got a divorce because Buster's dad became an airline pilot, and so he's never home. So Buster's sort of reliving that and sort of has this anxiety because things are going so well with Harry, he can't help but think it's going to go that way again. It's a lot to work through, especially for a little kid. That's I'm glad you picked up on that. Uh, he avoids the topic. First off, he's like throwing a baseball to himself in his room, and he pretends he's asleep, and he convinces his mom he's asleep by going, Comet is coming. Comet is coming. So I thought that was a nice throwback. So yeah, later later on the next day, uh, she admits to Buster that she and uh, Harry are breaking up, uh, which w what he's at first excited that, you know, Harry's not going away, but then, you know, 
they're breaking up and he's trying to process this with Arthur. He gets, and he, he gets about, Yu-Gi-Oh mind crushed. We have to mention every time someone gets, Oh, Yu- that's right. He, 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 the screen straight up shatters uh mid bite of cereal as if he, he was defeated in a duel. Good catch. I'm sure the pot of greed would appreciate that. <laughs> um, so Buster kind of is talking about this with Arthur in the treehouse. I love that Buster's biggest fear of Bitsy getting a new boyfriend is of him being boring. Like he specifically mentioned just like, what if she gets a new boyfriend and he's boring? And we get this extended sequence. So so this was where, almost, yeah. this was almost the throwaway character in the week of the week. Oh, uh, then I definitely, I, I, I definitely know who it is. I now. thought Martin Spivak was a a a lock for throwaway character of the week because Martin Spivak is this guy. This what I uh, Buster's idea of a boring guy is this dude who's like a telemarketer, and we get this line where he's like, "What time is it?" And Buster's like, "It's supper time," and he's like, "Perfect," and he begins to make his insurance calls. He's almost he's almost like a Woody Allen character. He's like this put upon drip of a salesman. Like it's it's like they're at the dinner table and she's like, "Could you take Buster with you to work?" And he's like, "Do I have to?" <laughs> like he's such a dick. He gets Buster like, to get him a coffee. Yeah, yeah. I I take mine black with three sugars. Like he's such a he's such a just an archetype of a terrible terrible boyfriend. And then and, and then we he, get this great line from where Buster sort of exclaims out loud to Arthur. He's like, "I hate Martin Spivak." And Arthur's immediately <laughs> like, "Who?" <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. That that whole sequence I thought was very funny and like properly annoying too. You I hate Martin Spivak too. So Buster's trying to look for advice on how to keep this breakup from happening. So unwisely, he goes to Muffy uh, to ask for how he can potentially stop this. And she, uh, she, she kind of advises him like a grand romantic gesture or something like that. We'll get them back together. So we go on a bit of subterfuge here as uh, Buster is trying to make this romantic dinner happen, but mostly on a kid's budget, thanks to advice from this like magazine that yeah a running Muffy... theme in arthur is that teen magazines lie to you i feel like that's come up in like multiple episodes now is that um and i haven't really thought about like j14 or like kids magazines since i was like being babysat in this era and like whatever yeah. older teenager who would have been babysitting me would have had these lying around with like the quizzes and all that stuff but that's come up in multiple episodes now is that you shouldn't listen to these and uh, so Buster creates, uh, forges a letter from Bitsy and like drowns it in her perfume enough so that like Harry's sneezing when he gets it at his job. Uh, once again, Buster, not very good at spelling. Uh, he says, you're advantage to a romantic diner tonight. And he delivers it in the... Uh, in the uh, disguise that Arthur used at Mary at Mary Mukau on Ice, the uh, the elephant trunk with the hat. <laughs> I knew I'd seen that before, but I, I hadn't remembered where. Good catch. So he's also trying to find uh, food for them to eat, and he goes to like a fancy French restaurant. And is this your throwaway character of the week? No. This is it's not, not. This is not my throwaway. Now I'm really excited to tell oh, you about who oh, the throwaway character of the week okay, is. Okay, na- now I think I know who it is. <laughs> yeah. But this guy is like again to reference Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's like the uh, the maitre d of that fancy French restaurant they go to. This guy is a capital J jerk. This guy oh, sucks. I, I really. So I usually like this archetype of the 
the guy who uh uh is is the major d at the the fancy restaurant is always like sort of this and i feel like even arthur has parodied this kind of character before but i thought like the fact that he even hubers buster with offering him a breadstick uh or the fact that two meat pettis is only 42 dollars i'm like how nice is this place i'm like that's two could die for 42 bucks oh my god the breadstick thing is is him like shooing him away he's just like it's like then I can definitely offer you the breadstick. <laughs> like he's just like, f off, kid. Like uh, this guy sucks. I didn't like him. <laughs> uh, I think but I was still very... I was still reeling from the fact that you could di- find dining for forty two dollars. I know that's forty two dollars in nineties money, but still. So Buster only has a couple of bucks to his name, so he just gets a small pizza for uh, Bitsy and Harry to enjoy. And he, so he set this date up for dinner and he at Bitsy's house. So he's got the he's got the ambiance, he's got the flowers, he's got the pizza, the food, and now he just needs to put on a little bit of music. We get a we get a joke here that's really for the parents. Uh so he's going through Bitsy's record collection and it's just Peter, Paul, and Mary, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Peter, Paul, and Mary. So I'm guessing that probably busted up some of the older people in the writing room. So I, this, I'm really aging myself. I wasn't familiar with Peter, Paul, and Mary. I had to Google. Mm-hmm. It, it sounded vaguely familiar, but I had to Google to see if that was a real group. And much to my surprise, it was real. But would you like to know who isn't real, Will? Tyrone Bellows. So Tyrone Bellows, this is the first time I believe we've had a throwaway character of the week where the character doesn't even exist in the episode. We literally just see their image. But what Mm. an image it is. Okay? This picture of Tyro Bell... Oh, my... Like, he's making a face like no other Arthur character we've seen before. Like, the the angle they shot this this photo of this (laughs) record from. Like, you see his double chin a little bit. um, And he's got this incredible... He's got a ponytail. Um... And then also when you so Tyrone Bellows, an R&B singer, he's got his frilly shirt and he's got the it's the the record that is the songs in the key of love, uh, and we when Buster puts it on, oh man, the original music they recorded for this episode is so funny. Oh baby, <laughs> clearly meant to be a takeoff on like Barry White. I love it. I thought this was great too. It's just, again, not necessarily something kids wouldn't understand, but like if you've seen the Barry White episode of The Simpsons or like, you know, just come across that joke, it's like that's all you need. And I think that they did it pretty well. Uh, Tyrone Bellows kind of looks like Barry White by way of like Ruben Stuttered a little bit. There is like a mischievousness in his eyes that it, it <laughs> like, it's unlike anything I've ever seen in Arthur. Just the, like Tyrone Bellows' face. It's great. It's it's a very cheese eating grin. Like he like he knows what's going on. Uh so yeah, he puts on this record and dims the lights and Bitsy's completely taken off guard and Harry comes in and it's just this kind of, you know, three's company sitcom kind of thing where it's just like I thought you you invited me. I didn't invite you. And then I found this a little but- uncomfortable. It reminds me of like any sort of like a uh, uh, family, uh, not even family, but like those the the sort of Kevin James Adam Sandler school of comedy where someone like lies to their significant other, and that's like the whole movie. And then in the the fourth act, there's like a scene where their lie blows up in their face. Uh, yeah, that always makes me uncomfortable. I know that that's kind mm-hmm. of the purpose of it, but it's always like kind of uncomfortable and just like not super fun to watch. Yeah, and that not that fun. that. that 
that was kind of like this in here where sort of Harry's really confused and upset and, and Buster's mom is really upset because she thought Harry put all of this on and it's, it's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. So Buster intervenes seeing that it's going awry and you know, he's, he he says, "Mom, Harry's never gonna t- take you back if you're if you're like yelling at him." And she says, "Well, dear, I broke up with him." And this kind of also alters Buster's perception of what's been going on. We never get the reason as to why they broke up, but uh, we know that his mom kind of explains it that they were. I mean, I don't. We don't know if this is the real reason in, or not. But yeah, but yeah we don't. You don't see the in depth reason. But you're right. She does say something. She says that like they're they're both too bu- well. Specifically, she's too busy for a relationship right now, and she's kind yeah. of trying to put her work first. Yeah. Uh, so later on, uh, Buster gets the 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 pizza and the Boston cream pie that uh, Harry left as consolation as he and his mom kind of talk about this in his room and (laughs) great line here as Bitsy goes to leave and he says, mom, can you leave the pie? (laughs) Leave the reg. I I, I was thinking of like, uh, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Uh, uh, (laughs) But you know what? I actually thought that was a fun little moment too, because uh, Buster goes, you know, I suppose I'll get over it. And he kind of turns over um, but then he says, Mom, you can leave the pie, almost as if he has gotten it over it a little bit because wanting the pie is kind of like the old buster. You know what I mean? Like when he's, yeah. when, when he's upset, yeah. he doesn't care about food as much. But I think he has kind of processed it a little bit at that point. And, and I don't know. I thought that was kind of a subtle way of showing that, okay, buster, Buster's going to be okay. We get a kind of denouement here with Muffy because she all this whole time she thought that he was trying to woo uh, Sue Ellen with all of these – this advice, but Buster refutes that once and for all and mentions that it was for uh, his mom. And we actually get a reference here to the Backstreet Boys special where Muffy says that she thought she was in love with Nick, but it, then it was Howie, but it turns out it was AJ all along. I don't agree with uh, Muffy. I, I still think it's Nick or Bust. Mm, well, for me, for me, well, actually for me at the age I'm at, it's Kevin. So that's, oh, that's, what, I, that's what I think. <laughs> That's that's just me, dog. It's just me. So as much as they're as much as they're not dating anymore, Bitsy and Harry are still friends, and they take Buster to the Sugar Bowl. And the episode ends with Buster getting his very own sandwich. And it's time for a late game edition of Lucas. Would you eat it? Oh, because the Buster sandwich yes is salami, Swiss cheese, mayo, and peanut butter. I. Uh, drum roll, please, ladies and gentlemen. Would I eat it? I absolutely would eat this. I would eat this. It's like uh, it's like that crazy friggin' uh, Elvis sandwich that he used to get with the the, peanut, the fr- Wasn't that just peanut butter and banana? Uh, let's see. I thought there was. It was like peanut butter and something else. People love like people put peanut butter on hamburgers, and that's apparently good. Like this is not it's that all, crazy. It's uh, all right. I- I think I think the combination of mayo and peanut butter is what kind of uh, gets it gets my goat a little bit. At least at least. Uh, 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 oh no! Okay, so it's peanut butter, a banana, and bacon is the El- Elvis sandwich, and it's all fried. Oh, okay. All right, that doesn't sound too bad. But the banana, like fruit and meat, I'm not crazy about. Anyway, uh, okay, so you would eat the Buster sandwich. Yeah. It's certainly not the the most. It, it definitely it definitely depends on you know the amount of each ingredient. Like yeah, when yeah. Buster offers more mayo, that's a little nasty. Like the idea of like that mayo in excess on this. But let's say yeah. there's a tasteful amount of peanut butter and like 
a significant amount of the Swiss cheese in the salami, this could be okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Buster gets his own sandwich up on the wall right along the Harry Mills meatball experience, and that's how the episode ends. So, Lucas, let's dial it back here. The first episode of Season 8. Let's go with our thoughts on Dear Adil, and would you start us off? Dear Adil, uh, I I liked this episode quite a bit. I thought that Adil and his friend had one of the better introductions of any brand-new character on Arthur. I found him and his Mm -hmm. friend immediately endearing, and I really liked their back-and-forth and banter throughout the episode, sort of when they're mulling over Arthur's letters, and they're like, what? What did he mean by this? Um, and I don't know. There's something about Adil that was, like, immediately likable, whether it was his manner of speaking or or how the characters was written. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I think this uh, episode is effective in, in two ways. Uh, in one, it talks about how, you know, popular culture, you shouldn't always take, you should take it with a great assault when it comes to learning about someone else's culture. But I also think the uh, episode speaks to an experience that a lot of young people go through where it involves meeting a friend from afar, whether that be uh, pen pals, like we both talked about we did in school and to varying degrees of success, or like I've seen some people be more successful in my own life in, in meeting a friend and containing having a friend online and how that could be kind of helpful and you can learn a lot from that as well. So, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting episode. I agree. I like I like this quite a bit. Um, I think that Arthur is in a really great position to educate kids about other cultures, and I think this was a really cool way to do that by not just telling you about Turkish culture through Adil, whose accent I really enjoyed listening to, uh, but also by challenging the stereotypes that kids might have already encountered at that age. Like, by age 13, I'm pretty sure I had seen Indiana Jones at least once. So I think that that's a really cool way to understand how, like, our own biases can enter into what we think about cultures that we haven't interacted with yet. And it's kind of a heady issue for kids, but it's certainly one that you can talk about, and I think they did it in a pretty smart way, too. Um, I did like the kind of assumptions that Arthur made about Turkish culture and because I feel like they're pretty close to what uh, somebody that age probably would or perhaps even older or regrettably even older than that. People would make that kind of assumptions about somebody else's culture. And it does kind of come together, like I said, in this very heartwarming moment for me where two kids from different, entirely different cultures um, – resolve their differences and learn more about each other and it's like that's such a utopian view of communication in the 21st century that I wish we could follow but uh it does remind me you you actually reminded me of there have been several instances of you know people that I've met who I would call friends online so as much as communication online can be a a torrid and really heinous thing altogether it can actually be quite good so there's two sides of the coin to that and i think this episode does a really good job of presenting that uh i had fun talking about uh bitsy's breakup the episode itself i didn't have a whole lot of notes on uh i thought parts of it were very funny i thought there were some a couple of standout uh one-shot characters here like the maitre d and tyrone bellows of course uh, and uh, 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 Spivak, Martin Spivak, but I don't know. There, I feel like this was just kind of a, just kind of average. Like it obviously changes Buster's world a little bit, but as we talked about, Harry wasn't a huge part of it overall anyway. And I don't know if we'll ever see Harry again. But it, it's not much. It's kind of a bit of a lateral move for Buster. So, I, but all the same, I thought that it was pretty good. Nothing, nothing too special, but a couple of laughs and. 
I appreciate the focus on Buster and some good looking food too. Don't watch this episode if you're hungry. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I do think that. It, 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 the episode can be a little bit le- uh, slow at times. Like, for instance, when Buster's putting his date together and stuff like that, I, I find the episode dr- drags a little bit. But I do think it's kind of an important episode in, in that the way it deals with adult relationships, you know, divorce, stuff like that is always kind of a, a topic that has to be handled with care in Arthur. And I think this episode does a good job of showing, you know, maybe it's not as serious as a divorce, but your parents might go through, not your parents, but your your parent and their 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 significant other or really anybody in your life and their significant other might go through an amicable breakup and sometimes it's hard for a younger kid to understand that and I think this episode's important from that respect uh sure it's got some moments like I said that I always kind of find uncomfortable like uh when uh Buster's lie kind of blows up in his face uh I will say this though uh it has something that no other Arthur episode has and that's Tyrone Bellows so, bonus points for Tyrone Bellows. Bonus points, indeed. I have to agree there. Well, here it is. We've got the ball rolling, Lucas. Season 8 is upon us, and we've got a lot more to go before I leave uh, my childhood memories of Arthur behind, and we enter into a new era of the show. So, I look forward. Like I'm already, I already looked at some of the titles of stuff that's coming up, and I recognize some of it, so... Uh, really excited to talk with you about it and glad to be speaking with you again. We kind of lost contact a bit over the over August as things were kind of happening in our lives one way or another. So it's good to have you back here on the show. Thank you. It's good to be back. And as always, make sure everybody votes for us in the best of Halifax. It's only 10 days left or, or even less so when you listen to this. So please uh, go vote. Coming up next time on Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about... This is great. I actually just realized that uh, two of our favorite characters are getting spotlight episodes next time because it's going to be Fern Fern and the Secret of Moose Mountain. And thanks a lot, Binky. Oh, this is already season eight up to a, a, a rip-roaring start. My, uh, if I'm rubbing my hands together. I'm rubbing my hands together because I'm excited. I certainly hope that we can keep up this momentum as we go forward. Thanks, everybody, for, uh, well, for hanging on. It's been three great years of Elwood City Limits, and we keep going. We've got a whole lot more to show you this month, so uh, keep keep up with us on social media and uh, send us any feedback you want. Thank you for all the emails at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for us this time. My name is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. How does the Tyrone Bellows song go? It's like, it's like, oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh baby! Oh baby! I love I, I love Ty- I love Tyro Bellows. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>